Hello, everyone. My name is Nigel. I am the co-founder of Maya Matter, and you are tuned in to uh, another live stream. So this is Casual Conversations with Comic Creators, which is our series where I speak with a different comic creator about their journey, the work they do, what goes into creating their craft, and just talk, really. That's all we're here. We're just here to talk, <laughs> talk about stuff that interests us, like comics. So the aim for this is to showcase the human behind the art form that we all love as we talk about each person's story. So I make comics as well, uh, and that's where I got the idea. So it's like a <laughs> brainstorm moment. And so joining us for this very first episode of a brand new calendar year is Makiko. Makiko, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for coming. We um we have spoken we have spoken a lot. Uh, yep. I realised I was just saying before we went live that Makiko was our very first podcast interview. Um, I'll put that in the chat uh, as we as we talk. So uh, we've had a few discussions, and um, we're gonna have another one. So I was in a, I think I feel like I just keep dragging you back to have <laughs> conversations. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's nice. We always have, we always have lots to talk about. So I think that's great. <laughs> That's true. We can never fit into like a, a single session. Yeah. So hence, there we go. All That's right. So we'll, we'll get to what we can. So this will be yeah. uh, an, an hour chat and uh, yeah, we'll see what we can get to. Uh, I'll give a little little bio, a little background for those that may not know Mikiko, but uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you about yourself. So you are a German-Japanese <laughs> manga artist and you're known for your web comics, Crash and Burn, Mickey's mini comics. And uh, you're published in you're published in a lot of places. We've got like Germany, UK, obviously where I know you from, mm -hmm. France, Australia, and another thing we're going to get to. You are also active on Twitch as a VTuber. So correct. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we passed that check. I got that right. So we know we're speaking to the right person. That's uh, all right. good. Also, welcome to the chat, people watching us uh, live or later, or even if you as a podcast, wherever we put this in the future. But if you are watching live. Feel free to ask some questions uh, about Makiko, about myself. Although we're really here to talk about uh, Makiko. Um, but yeah, <laughs> well. any questions you do have, feel free to put them on, in the chat and we can get to them. I have a bunch of questions. So yeah, we can, we can start with those and see how we get on. So yep. how are you doing? First of all, should probably ask that. How, how's it going? How's the, how's the new year been for you? Uh, it's been a bit cold, but... yeah. yeah. It's probably fine because I feel like uh, December had like a really cold few weeks. And, yeah, we had um, the whole snowstorm thing. You had a snowstorm. Oh my god! Did I don't not, think we didn't. Did I not reach you? No, because like oh, I, wow. I, I moved from yeah, yeah, from London to Birmingham, and it seems like it's a little warmer here. Oh, so I just, just thought it gets colder just, the further up you go. I think Is it's because that... it's slightly elevated. I oh, think okay, because okay. it's kind of on a hill. So right. we, it just, whenever I ask around, it's like, oh, there's snowstorms and crazy weather. And so it's like, oh, it's nothing here. <laughs> it's <laughs> all, all right. good. You so, missed the fun. Uh, missed yeah. The fun. But I'm, I'm wearing serious. my super, super warm hoodie. So I'm good. Like, I'm super cozy. So. <laughs> I've got a bunch of heating going on uh, in the background. So uh, <sighs> yeah, we're good today. We're good. <laughs> All right, cool. So I know obviously the first time we've we've spoken uh, in the new year, um, but we did get a chance to uh, meet briefly at mm. a convention, so at Thought Bubble. Yeah. Um, so you were at Thought Bubble for the first time, right? 
That's right. Yeah. So I heard so many good things about Thought Bubble and all my professional friends had um, recommended that I go. And it just never came up until now. And then um, I had a friend who, (laughs) a friend has a car. So I I thought, you know, (laughs) maybe, maybe I'll just ask him if he's interested in going with me and checking it out. And then he was willing to go. And we just had a table, like two tables next to each other. And we just tested it out. And it was really great. Like, it's so different from all the conventions uh, that you usually have yeah in what way do you do you feel it's different so i feel like a lot of these are very commercial especially mcm is incredibly commercial yeah, it where, is the most commercial i feel yeah and you just have to sort of plan product and you plan selling product and that's basically all it is but thought bubble was very much of a, a community thing where when you arrive people help and people ask if you've got everything you need and people make sure that you don't get lost, make sure you're comfortable. Yeah, very you know, friendly. Very, very friendly. And then uh, the people who go there are also, they stop to chat more and they don't just buy and carry on. They sort of, they're interested. They want to know things. And I also noticed that artists talk to each other more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was completely blown away because... Um, a lot of the artists that were that had tables themselves, whenever they had a chance to walk around, they'd come by my table and just go, oh, I know you from DeviantArt, which is ages oh, wow. ago. Okay. That's, a, that's a deep cut. Is, yeah, sorry. it's, it's <laughs> that's when I was, uh, you know, young and foolish way back in the day. And, and they're just like, I'm a huge fan. And I was completely baffled because... kind of technically in the UK I'm the least known in terms of numbers and sales because I I was active in Germany for over a decade um, and then moved here and it's kind of recent and then the rest the online community is basically mostly America so having a is that by design or just it's just it's sort of just happened I think it's because DeviantArt mostly had an American audience and then the German audience came from the publishing, which happened, um, well, you know, about six years ago until I moved here. And so, like, the German crowd is more of um, an offline crowd where they would go to conventions, meet you in person. Oh, like books, physical books. books. Yeah, okay. and they go to signings and such. I like that. Yeah, and so so that was, like, the sales versus the Americans who can't order because the shipping costs too much, so they'll buy the digital goods. And then the UK was, like, this unknown oh i gotta establish myself here sort of land yeah and then thought bubble was the first place where i actually felt like oh there are people who know me here (laughs) this is crazy (laughs) i had no idea and um yeah that must have been nice it was really nice because they'd say oh i used to watch you when i was 12 or 13 and they're grown adults and professional artists i'm like (laughs) They're better than me. This is crazy. <laughs> I'm so, I'm like uh, slightly embarrassed and really honored at the same time, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it was really wow. good. Okay. You yeah, know, no, I, I agree with you about like the bubble and the differences between like that and more commercial. So, you know, something like MCM is it, good because it's, it's bigger and I, I imagine you, you sell more so that the mm. numbers are bigger. Yeah. But you kind of, or at least like I've realized like there's, <laughs> without sounding like uh, too added, like, there's, there's more to it than just, selling a product yeah that's true yeah yeah you want to like i guess especially for you, you want to create a connection with like the people that do follow you 
they know like you are you know real human person and uh, yeah. you're an interesting <laughs> person and then off the back of that then they can yeah they can follow your art so i always appreciate it like even at thought bubble there's a guy i think because i've done thought bubble twice now since the pandemic and we did a a kickstarter in uh, during the pandemic and there's a guy who backed the Kickstarter. And then I saw him at Thought Bubble in 2021. <laughs> and then I saw him again in, in Portsmouth. So for those that don't know UK geography, so uh, Thought Bubble is in a place called Harrogate, which is in the north uh, of the yeah, country. Uh, and Portsmouth <laughs> is on the coast. <laughs> it's on the south. <laughs> so I saw him again. I'm like, wait, what? what? <laughs> and then I saw him again at Thought Bubble. And it's, it's just nice. He's like, you know, I, I support what you do. And uh, yeah, we had a, yeah. a nice chat, like all those times. Yeah, you just appreciate that because I don't know if do you find this where like especially over the you know last few years you you forget that other people are consuming your work, mm. but when you see it, it helps that connection. Yeah, I think it's very motivating to to sort of connect with word. people. Yeah, yeah, because because you spend so much time indoors writing and drawing and just isolated and focusing on your art that when you go out, you you kind of don't have a way to gauge just mm. how much of an influence you have on people. So if people come to you and say, oh my God, your work made me feel this, or, you know, oh, I read this and I shared with my friends and they all loved it. It's, it feels very special because I suppose maybe it's not that the internet doesn't count as much, but if you see a person in person that yeah, tells you this, more, it feels it? more real. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems kind of more real because on the internet you can be anonymous. And so suddenly these anonymous people, these usernames suddenly become real people. Faces. Yeah, they've yeah, got faces and, and faces. history and childhood. Yeah, and yeah. Then suddenly you're part of their childhood and you're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Um, um, speaking of anonymous usernames, uh, hello to the chat. Hello to people. <laughs> Let's see, we've got a few people. So uh, Techno Kanemi. Hope I said that right. Apologies uh, if I butcher these names. Hey. <laughs> we have a bunch of people in the chat. Koshimoni, hello. Welcome, Money. everyone. Uh, Wayward Finn, welcome. So, yeah, if you do have any questions, feel free to put them on in chat. Uh, we'll mm -hmm. see if we can get to them. But, yeah, we're just talking about, like, conventions and, like, meeting people. And you were talking about, like, your, I guess, like, having to build a reputation here in the UK. So you're you're from... Japan. So you're yes. born in Japan. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And you're here via Germany, right? Is that the... Is that yeah. The... So so I was born in Japan. My mother is Japanese and my father is German. And I went to German schools, which is why huh. like my education is German. Okay. I thought you were <laughs> going to say that's why my education is good. Well, I don't know. Okay. My, my dad did purposefully choose the German school system over the Japanese one it, with the idea of it not being as, as grueling as, as okay. you would expect because the Japanese just value it in a very different way. Yeah. Education, I mean, like it's not about critical thinking. It's about getting points. And so, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So my dad was like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah. I so I, I've kind of lived all over the place I've lived in Hong Kong and in Germany and in Belgium and in Japan and and such. So it's kind of like a kind of like a global person, I suppose. But I did live in Germany for quite a long time, from around when I was fourteen mm. till until I moved here. So quite right. a long stretch of time was in Germany, 
And so my the beginning of my career, basically, and the, the vast majority of my publishing work has happened in Germany. And uh, yeah, so I moved to the UK in 2016. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. So, I think so you've so. been here for uh, quite a while. Yeah. But like a, a vast part of that was pandemic. So I couldn't really get out much. Fair point. Yeah. Yeah. You came, yeah. You came uh, at a yeah. difficult time in life because <laughs> yeah. well, it's not like you can go anywhere else uh, anymore. Yeah. But maybe New Zealand, I think they, they did okay. But yeah, true. So then, is, so having been in, in those different places and, and as someone who makes mango, I'm always interested to know like different perceptions uh, of manga because uh, mm. I fortunately have only lived in the UK. I visited many places, but I only lived in the UK. And we have a certain perception of manga. Interestingly, I was I was coming like today as we live stream this, coming from a school workshop uh, and talking to some of the teachers about mm. misconceptions in their case about what anime and manga is. Do yeah. you find that as you've come from like Japan to Germany to here, there are differences in the way people perceive manga? Yeah, I think, uh, yes, there have been many opinions that I've heard. I'm actually curious as to what the opinion of the the British public is of manga, because I don't know that one, because I'm not sure how people view it here. So I've not done the extensive survey, so this was (laughs) a lot based on a lot of this this conversation I had today, but also others as well. And the first thing I said to this person, I feel it reflects on it what a lot of the perception is and when i say the perception i mean like the the people who aren't already in it because obviously the people who are mm. in it know but the first thing i said to them is like um what you should do is is not think of manga anime as a genre think of it as a medium and when mm-hmm. i said that they're like oh okay because they and i find a lot of people do this where they'll go to a stereotype or they'll be shown a stereotype of anime and we know anime manga could go some weird places so yeah. <laughs> they'll see that stereotype and then they'll apply it to to everything and yeah. they're like oh i saw anime and it was weird and 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 that's mm. that's anime and yeah. I'm like no 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 that's a particular corner and yes it yeah. is weird because she mentioned something I'm like yeah that is weird um <laughs> that's a anime that's that a, one. yeah 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 <laughs> so i try and relate it to people like think of it you wouldn't watch like a uh an 18 rated film and say oh i'm not uh, films aren't good or films aren't for kids or whatever it yes. might be I yeah, understand yeah. it as a medium, so I'm I'm maybe not going to show my kids this side, but I'm going to, they're mm. okay here. So I feel that's a lot of the perception that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very good take on it, and it's a good good one. I'll definitely steal it for future conversations, I think. It is yours, you take that. <laughs> I, I've definitely noticed that um, the, the judgment I've faced um, with manga and anime has changed, shifted very drastically from one corner to a different over the years that I've been active. Um, okay, in a positive way? Yes, absolutely, okay. yes. So it started out with um, very obvious, like, oh, yeah, that's that's just porn, basically, to, yep. Yep. to oh, anime. I love Dragon Ball <laughs> Z. Yes. Like, that's what it is now. It's like, oh, Sailor Moon. Yes, I know that one. Or Studio Ghibli. Ghibli? Yes. Ghibli? Yeah, yeah. I think what the Japanese those? call it Ghibli. But Ghibli, okay, I'm going to go with yeah. that, Ghibli. I think it's technically incorrect so (laughs) but i don't know (laughs) but yeah so there was a big shift where when i started out people just wouldn't understand i had to explain 
like now it's like in Japan, every child reads manga, every child watches anime because there's things for everyone. There's every genre you can think of. There's there's manga for maths, like as in yeah. for kids learning maths, there's manga for that so that it makes it more accessible to them. Or, you know, there's golfing manga for the middle-aged salary man who wants to watch like something about golfing. <laughs> and and you just have to sort of tell them that the, the mainstream stuff that comes here is just that it's a mainstream thing because teenagers want to see it. And so if you're an mm. adult and you don't understand anime, maybe you should watch like a seinen manga anime, which is made for adults as in not not anything 18 plus. It's just stories just made for adults. Yeah, mature stories. And there's a lot of it that's really good as well. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah um, I, I tend to not have to explain myself as much as I used to, um, okay. which is really nice. And um, I've noticed that here, especially in the UK, I've had very, very positive responses to the, to the, well, you know, when people ask you, what do you do? If, you know, it, just small talk. They go, oh, so what do you do for a living? And it's like, oh, I draw manga. It used to be, oh, can, <laughs> can you, um, like, can you live off that? Or what oh, is okay. that? Is that, that weird? Well. Yeah, and then and then these days it's like, wow, that's so unique. That's really cool. I wish I could do something like that too. So it's totally different nowadays. Yeah. Nice. And I guess that's the more exposure comes, more people realize like it's not just the stereotype. Uh, yeah. It is more than that. I think it's also the case that the UK is a lot more open to the arts being a real thing versus yeah, relatively like, speaking. When I was in Germany, <laughs> you could not really tell anyone that you're an artist as a as oh, okay, a job. Okay. Yeah, like right. that was the case even in it, when I left. So 2016, I still got that thing where people go, yeah, but what's your real job? <laughs> so, and I'm mm. like, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's such a crazy thing because, and I think we found out during the pandemic how important like creative outlets, creative like content is. Mm. And then people don't always connect like, well, someone's got to make it and they're mm. massive industries like, you know, we do a lot of work in video games and this session I was in, uh, in a college doing like esports and talking about video games. And uh, I was asking the kids, so we're talking, I say kids like 16, 17, 18 age, like how much mm. money do you think the video games industry in the UK makes? And they were, they were lowballing. They were like, like, I don't know, 500 million or 1 billion. I was like, it's like seven plus 7 billion in the UK alone. It's like massive industries and there's all these jobs behind the scenes and everything, mm -hmm. but people don't always make that connection. And that's the, I guess that's a stereotype, like what you face is like, oh, I, I think of it as something that, you know, the struggling artist and mm. like, so you can't make money yet. I'm going to go watch Netflix. I'm going to go read all these things and not realize someone has to make it. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember where I saw this, but I once saw someone like, not a quote, but somebody said once, Anything that you look at that looks purposefully nice has been designed by something, Des someone. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. anything you have, any item that you use has been designed by someone, mm. which means there was an artist at play here. So I feel I feel like it's it's really difficult to sort of spread the idea that an artist is valuable, even though they basically have a hand in everything everything yeah mm. it's mad and uh wayward finn in the chat says uh to be fair the video games industry sees the same split the product is praiseworthy 
the creator is ashamed. And I, I kind of get that. I feel like uh, it's almost the nature of like creative mediums, creative industries where you, we all enjoy the thing, mm. but then the actual <laughs> creator of the thing doesn't always get the same level of praise. It's, it's a weird, like, I don't know, human factor there. Yeah. Sigh. <laughs> 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 so but it yeah, is. it's eventually, I think maybe we'll get there. There's been, there's been quite a lot of outrage uh, against uh, AI created art. So I have a feeling at least it's going to be like, we're going to get forced to talk about it a lot more now. So Yeah, I've heard some of that conversation. I mean, as a, because I, uh, so, so background on me for people watching is, so I'm co-founder of My Matter. So we make, we also make manga. I write, but I don't draw. That is the, that's beyond my ability. <laughs> so we have uh, someone on our team who can draw. She does the artwork. Uh, Penali is a fantastic artist. So the characters you see on the overlay are our characters. And actually in the, let me get my bearings in the top. I'm looking at the top right uh, is Penali's character as an anthropomorphic character. And then below that is uh, my character as a, anthropomorphic character um, <laughs> so anyway um, um as a so as someone who does draw yourself i've seen like the whole ai generated art and the controversy around that is that i mean first of all like how do you feel about the controversy and then do you feel this is something where because everything ai is like oh they're going to take away the jobs of of other people do you see like you know we're not going to need artists uh, anymore we're just like put it to an ai and it will do it for free yeah so i think i think the ai art is going to replace some art, but not all of it. And what I think it really addresses more is the fact that we have to acknowledge that copyright exists. <laughs> so mm. I am shocked at how many people do not know how copyright works. So the this casual ripping off Google is so common that the AI generate like the 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 people who make these AI things yeah. just do that too just and don't it. realize exactly that they are literally breaking copyright law every single image they rip mm. and so what has to happen is that people have to acknowledge that the law exists and has to be protected which is if you create something it is yours the end and if you want to use it you <laughs> have to get permission yeah, sure. and that includes ai right and and i think that um this is just like this has to address that aspect when nobody acknowledges this fact because you don't know how many times i've argued with other artists that fan art is technically illegal if you haven't gotten permission uh, like so many people sell fan art at conventions that is yes, yeah. literally illegal but people say oh but oh but the the publisher says it's okay therefore it's not illegal no that's not true the publisher has given you permission maybe mm. then you're allowed to do it then you're allowed to do it if they give you permission. Yeah, That's yeah. And even point. that can come with certain instances, yeah. certain cases, like and like there's a lot of like people annoyed at certain companies enforcing their copyright, say Disney, Marvel, which is Disney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nintendo. Everything, everything's Disney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And these companies are just exercising their right, which is absolutely a hundred percent their right. Yeah. But everybody's angry because how dare they, because they're a big company and it's like no no you don't understand this right that they have is a right you have and it's protecting your art too and therefore you have like people don't understand it and i feel like this ai thing might help people understand more because now they have to confront get confronted with this that 
this is not okay to just take someone's art and use it in any shape or form without yeah. their permission, right? And that includes fan art and any other art. You know, of course, sometimes it's it's sad if you dedicated some work to your favorite series and and then you just want to sell badges or something and they say, no, you can't, and then take it down. Yeah, it's frustrating, but it's still correct, you know? You know, it, it, it's a good point you make. And I feel like on, on one hand, we think of, we tend to think of, when it comes to legal things as something that only exists for the large companies and we mm. tend to only see it in a i get well i guess it depends on your perspective but uh what is like a negative space like nintendo gets a lot of like flack for this for like exercising yeah. their, their, their legal uh right and i guess it's like the way you do it and how you communicate it and, and all that but it's something they can do but then we forget it's also something that you've got as well Obviously, yes. you know, I don't have the the law department that Nintendo has. <laughs> yes, yes, that's <laughs> the is, yeah. yeah, that's the only like that's the drawback. Of course, we can't afford to do the same thing as them, but they have the money, therefore they do it. If you had the same amount of money as Nintendo, you would do the same, I think. Yeah. So you have to imagine that if you have a series and you're not selling a lot of it, and then your neighbor at MCM prints it on canvas and sells each for twenty pounds a pop and makes 50,000 pounds a weekend with it, and you don't. Like, how would you feel about that? It's yeah, literally the same terrible. thing. <laughs> yeah, but that's what these people do, right? And they go, oh, what's the newest trend? Oh, I don't know what's currently the most popular anime, but Neither like oh, Chainsaw um, Man or... Cha um, yeah, yeah, Chainsaw Demon Man, Slayer, uh, Demon Slayer, or, that's the two yeah. I Yeah, and yeah. Like, you see, I'm see, on top of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you, if you go down MCM, it's all that. None of them have a license. license I, yeah. I can bet with you, not a single one has paid a license for this. And they make 10,000, 20,000 pounds a weekend. That's what they'd make. Mm. And it's illegal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, just because you're a small artist doesn't make it legal for you. Mm. And you just have yeah. to know your rights and you have to be careful. And like, of course, it sucks, you know, because people love their series and they want to do this and also maybe make a buck here and there. I get it, you know. But you have to know your rights. Yeah, because you, know? you get that. Because it, it kind of, you know, for the most part, comes from like an expression of love and fandom. But then you have to understand yeah. the parameters that we're Yeah, it's like the, in. it's the law. It's the, <laughs> so the legal it's like, parameters. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, no, totally. So, and <laughs> where with Finn says, <laughs> uh, for, uh, for AI to take over, you have to have a, a client who can provide exactly what they want and won't complain when that is made and i don't know does that exist i'm not sure that uh, mm. <laughs> not sure that exists there's always a, a, a client with uh, uh, feedback um <laughs> so, so you're always going to need an artist to take that so i mean like speaking of the the, the process so we've spoken a bit about mangoes interested to know like other people's process because and again as someone who does does both mm -hmm. like do you find your better or you favor one over the other like writing stories versus drawing stories drawing is a lot easier <laughs> oh, easier much easier i mean it looks hard to, to me, me. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um as an example um if i have a script i can draw fairly quickly and i can just translate the script into art pretty easily so i think mm. it's just a case of it being my main medium of expressing myself so it's fairly okay yeah it's like you know it's just very natural for me to do that but when it comes to writing I'm very 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 picky about it being just right and I I think maybe because I'm not mainly a writer I spend more time 
ironing it out or rewriting or you know shuffling things about until yeah. it fits so so you're started, picking yourself, like, yeah. like harding yourself. Okay, this isn't yeah. good enough. Like, work, take it out. Start sometimes, again. <laughs> sometimes it just works perfectly, and then it's just right. So it really depends on on what I'm trying to achieve, how long the series is as well, and how what kind of mood I am in the moment. Mm. So I've had short stories especially are easy for me, so I can write short stories pretty well. But as soon as it becomes a longer series, then I start like stalling and trying to figure out if it oh, could really? fit better if i change something and and so on so there's a a series i've been working on since 2013 and it's still not oh, finished writing. <laughs> so i have to let it sit quite a long time which is usually one or two years before i can like i feel like it's right what's the challenge is it like a like a structure thing like getting the pieces together or is yeah i think I'm quite picky when it comes to consuming uh, things as well. So I like mm. good stories, good characters, and it has to make sense. Like characters can't do things that are nonsensical so that the reader doesn't know why would you do that. If the reader can come up with a better solution, you're doing a bad <laughs> job. <got> problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I feel like sometimes it's good, but it's not what I'm looking for or it's not how it like it doesn't feel natural like it feels more like the characters forcing themselves to do this to end the story rather than it yeah. being the correct like solution versus what comes from the, the character motivations yeah so yeah. i spend quite a lot of time thinking what if and then just sitting there daydreaming listening to spotify and just coming up with it writing like many many versions and then trying to slot those pieces into the parts that already fit so i do have parts that i write in like a day and it stays like that for the 10 years that I'm writing it. But um, then there's other parts that cause me issues that I keep changing or I'm like, oh, but if I write it like this, then the focus is on the wrong character. And then I have yeah. to rethink and rethink. And unfortunately, I can't force it and I can't really sit down and just write, right? It just doesn't come to me like that. So I often have to sit down and brainstorm with specific people and talk and ask questions and, and spend a lot of time oh, letting it stew. Okay. I get that. I get that. And I definitely feel, yeah, I agree you can't force it. Because I I don't know if you get like writer's block or artist block. Yeah, I think so. I think I get good and bad days. I don't really suffer from artist block because when when I started out professionally, I didn't really have a choice. It was like I had to pay bills. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that'll, yeah, that'll get through like deadlines and budgets will get through yeah, any kind of So <laughs> I, I think I've got the, the autopilot mode, which is on when I don't feel like drawing, but I can still draw, but it's not, yes. my heart's not in it sort of, but I get done. I get anyway. you. I get Excuse you. me. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll bleep that in the edit. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so you've got like, so like with the writer's block thing, because I don't necessarily get it be just because of like the nature of, so I write, but it's like a part of what we do for the business. So I find a lot of my time is like event organizing and stuff. So it creates like natural breaks where I go and do something else and then come back to, I, I spend a frustrating amount, little amount of time like writing or at least not as much as I'd like. Mm -hmm. But during the pandemic, because like I said, we did a Kickstarter during the pandemic and I got to a point where I had a story like, basically written outlined all that stuff and then it, it eventually it came out a bit longer maybe like twice so what started off as like a 20 page story it turned into like a 40 page story and i got to a point where i was just like just struggling to like like get it 
out and mm. obviously you know everything's going on and so personally like going through some things as well and that was like a, a real moment I was like oh yeah you can't force this like you can't mm. like just you can't just push out you just have to sort of let it let it come uh, naturally to a certain uh, certain extent so I found that and there's a story we're working on now which is I mean you say 10 years actually this is one the idea has been around we haven't actively been working on it but we're now like this year I want to actively work on it but there's a lot of pieces because there's been a lot of <laughs> ideas so mm. I guess you find this as well like you're saying with like different iterations and thinking up scenarios like would the character do this or how would the character react I quite like that that process do you do like that it's almost because my background is like engineering I used to be a, a software engineer oh. so yeah so a lot, I find I a lot of storytelling oh did have I not mentioned that no, I didn't know. All right, we learned something. All right, we learned something. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I used to be a, I used to be a, a programmer, and there's some aspects of storytelling I, I kind of relate to, like an engineering problem because you're trying to put the pieces yeah. together, uh, make it work. Does it work? No, we need to like change this, swap this bit here. I quite like mm-hmm. that process. Yeah, I think it's a lot of problem solving. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you have uh, an idea. Sometimes you have a solution. Sometimes you don't. But if you have a solution, you try to problem solve towards it. And then if you don't, you're trying to problem solve towards a satisfying ending. Mm. So it's kind of, it's difficult because I find, I find that there's a lot of sloppy work out there that yeah. is just lazy. And I just want to avoid becoming anything like that. And it's of course hard because you put a lot of pressure on yourself to, to make it perfect. But I don't like, that's very important to me to not make it perfect. Like perfection is an illusion but it has to feel right. That's the thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It has to yeah. feel right, deliver. And you talked about, like, it making sense and making sense in, in the story world. I, I imagine you meant, like, in particular where it's, like... Because you can come up with, like, like crazy stories where stuff happens. But as long as it's the things is consistent, the logic is consistent in the story yeah. world that you've established, then, that, then it, all, it will work. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, like, I've found over the years where... You're right. The, the, there's no stories perfect, which is why I tend not to read back the stories because then I'm like, I like, oh, I could change this, and uh, I don't want to get back, <laughs> uh, yeah, look back in that way. But you find that it's about like the the message of the story and the the impact as well. If you've hit that, then mm. it's I find generally speaking, it's good. So you know, we were talking about like meeting people in the real in the real world. So. The trouble I had with this story I did during the pandemic, which was about a pandemic, actually. <laughs> that was the whole meta thing. It was like, oh, we put some of our characters through a pandemic-like scenario. And it's just yeah. like an outlet. So I could just express yeah, some yeah. of what I've seen. <laughs> but, you know, you're right. It's in isolation. You get it done. And you're like, oh, okay, it's, it's done. And uh, I sort of move on to the next thing. But then there's been a few places at, like, conventions or at, like, workshops where people have read it and they've, like, fed back, oh, wow, this has really sort of yeah, impacted me. And then you remember, like, oh, yeah, it's... Like that's what you're going for. It's not the perfection. It's the does the story make sense? Does it impact? Yeah, yeah. It's nothing more satisfying than having like people tell you that they felt something. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite humbling, it's, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah. kind of like um, I like to compare it to musicians, actually. So do you know when somebody plays a song, they're good at an instrument. You have an yeah, immediate. Yeah. I wouldn't know what that sounds like. Uh, I can't play an instrument, but I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> I yeah. can't either. But some people <laughs> just play the guitar and yeah, they yeah. sing, and people are like, "Whoa, that's so amazing!" And there's like this instant response to it, like an emotional mm. instant response. And with us. It's the same, except there's like months and months and years in between. <laughs> so it's like yeah. you spend time and you're just like, is it good enough? I have no idea. Yeah, years later, sucks. you send <laughs> it out 
And then, yeah, and then somebody goes, whoa. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, and so it's like this delay. It's, it's yeah. kind of, I envy musicians for that reason. Because, or Hello. any performer who does something immediately and then gets, just makes gets that like connection. people go, yeah. <laughs> I know. You know, sometimes the response can be like too quick because I had, um, I think actually this was at a Thought Bubble one time where I think someone bought one of our, our comics and it was, a, it was a, one of the bigger ones. It was like a 120 pages. And then, like an hour later, they came back. Oh yeah, this is great. I read it, and it's like fantastic. <laughs> and I, I like obviously I'm, that's that, that's great. But in the back in the back of my head, I was like, wait, I saw you an hour ago. I, that, took, <laughs> that took us years to make. You yeah, just that an hour. <laughs> At least wait it's, two hours. Uh, to come back. It's, it's not very efficient, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get that too. It's like uh, people buy volume one of Crash and Burn on day mm. one, and then day two they come back and they're like, I need the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which again, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's but great. Anything, yeah. I wish I could make it that quick. Um, yeah. So, and you know, one of the things I wanted to make sure we we get to actually with because we talk about like making comics, and one of the things I find in talking with with artists is there's like there's almost like two sides, or well, there's multiple sides, but it's like the making it, and then there's like the, the getting it out or getting yourself out, either getting the work out or getting yourself out as a as a creator, mm. and just thinking about some of the interesting ways that that people do get themselves out and one of the ways that you do i mentioned it in the intro is like uh, vtubing so yeah. <laughs> it, th- this is interesting because we've had we've had some beauty vtubers on our podcast like talking about it and it's something that like just inter- interests me and I, I don't know much about it is basically um, a chance for me uh, to learn but like how do you how does that work for you and and like why do you do that why do you, you take that approach like promoting yourself and your like personal brand yeah so um i found vtubing through i think youtube because people started making their own model well they started becoming famous with vtube with vtube avatars um i think youtube started it because it's vtuber right so yeah yeah and there were sense. a few famous japanese ones that i found very funny and okay. um and I look well. I started out with just looking at how they were made because it was very interesting technically how they're made. So basically, you have a two D drawing that is cut into parts, and then each part is rigged onto yes, yeah, other yeah. parts so that when it so moves, it move. sort of shifts. But it's all an illusion. So it's not. It looks kind of three dimensional, but it's actually two dimensional. And depending on how good the rigor is, it can look incredibly smooth and beautiful. And I noticed that some of the pros had very simple animations and they didn't have a lot of expression and they still had this character. Like it felt really funny because they didn't change their expression that much or because it was kind of, they had like little ticks in their rigging that made them do a thing that was just more cute than, you know, you wouldn't want to fix it because it kind of was part of Okay, it comes part of the, yeah, yeah, I get it. And then I got an opportunity where um, a client wanted me to make a model for him. And I told him, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he just said, you know what? I'll buy you the software and you can just learn it for a year or whatever you need. And then you can get back to me. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So basically um, he paid me to learn it. And then I, I practiced by making two models first so one is 
Ninu underscore Viti, who's a friend of mine and also a very successful YouTuber now. And I made that one for her because she she's incredibly funny. She's streaming right now as well. Cool. <laughs> she's very, very funny, but she also, she's extremely paranoid about her privacy, which understandably, and she would not show her face. So she would not use webcam or anything. And the problem with streaming is if you don't have a face on screen, people generally don't like they don't attach to it. They don't really stay. They don't really relate to anything and they just don't watch it. Mm. And, and I was watching her frequently because she's a friend of mine and I knew she was incredibly funny. And I felt like it was a total wasted opportunity not to have a cutesy avatar for her, which fit her perfectly because she has a very squeaky kind of high-pitched voice. She sounds like an anime character anyway. So I was like, <laughs> cool. let's Makes do sense. this. Yeah, yeah. So So I made her one first and it turned out, really well <laughs> I, if nice. I may say so Let's I'm very <laughs> proud of it <laughs> and she's had the same model f- since the beginning that I since I gave it to her originally and it's just working perfectly for her because it has the same effect of where she just she, I, I rigged it properly but she just finds it wrong on purpose because she thinks it's funny and so then <laughs> yeah so it becomes part of the yeah. act so she's so she's like a cat girl and she's got the ears they're supposed mm. to slightly tilt when she blinks, right? So when she blinks, it's supposed to do that. And she bound them to her eyebrows <laughs> instead. So whenever she wiggles her eyebrows, they just her ears just go it. like that. <laughs> and it's really stupid, but it's really cute and funny because she yeah. just loves to rub it in my face whenever I visit as well. She's like, did you see this? You know, like... <laughs> And so she's having great fun with that. And so the second one was my own to sort of learn a bit more and do it a bit more properly. And, and um, yeah, and so I've got, I've got one now too. And I noticed that it's really, really helpful for me because I, so I have bipolar disorder, disorder and I find it quite hard and social anxiety <laughs> and all sorts of things. But the main thing is I find it very hard to be on webcam regularly and for very, very long periods of time. So like a stream can be Usually it's longer than an hour, actually. Usually when oh, I... Oh, no, yeah, we can't... Sure. And, and, and it's just because I have anxiety over doing live streams. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. easy. But no, we do some longer streams, but I like, I like short. Um, you need breaks, really. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. like you, you tend to get exhausted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I noticed that whenever I streamed, when I draw, I need time to draw because it takes four hours, five hours to draw anything at all that is, you know, that you want to show off or yeah, it's just boring to watch somebody do something in a shorter time because nothing gets done. Done, yeah. <laughs> and so I figured, uh, you know, maybe I'll just make myself a, a VTuber avatar because then I don't have to go through all these motions beforehand to prepare. So it took me so long to get on stream that I skipped a lot of streams. So dress correctly, like, oh, what do I dress? Then yeah. makeup, do my hair? Did I, you know, did I yeah, shower? I Is my hair so, nice enough yeah, today? <laughs> yeah. Do I have to dye my hair again? Cause it's like growing out. <laughs> and all these things like really, really added up to a point where by the time I had my avatar, I was exhausted from doing web webcam streams. And mm. once I had her though, I, it was all that was gone. Cause there was suddenly this barrier of this 2d character always looking right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can just and, get to it. You can, you just get to the yeah. So it was like, oh, I can stream. I'm in my pajamas. I have no makeup. Doesn't matter. <laughs> the avatar looks great. No one ever Bam. knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I could be, you know, looking yeah. awful behind it. Um, and there's no danger of it accidentally 
turning itself off or anything and showing right. your real face because it's not what it doesn't work that way you know yeah. so it just tracks your face and has a software that has the basically the puppet the 2d puppet move on your behalf and that's what you put on your obs or your whatever you use your streaming software yeah and so when when that breaks all that happens is the 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 character just stops moving. So if it breaks, right. it just stops moving. Okay. Or if it crashes, then it's blank. That's all that happens. So you can't accidentally show your face. Huh. So it, it, it's, I've done, oh, what was the longest? I think the longest stream I did was like nine hours where I played oh, wow. Dwarf, Dwarf Fortress or something. <laughs> I think I did have a, an hour break for, for dinner, but I, yeah. I st- stayed online and, and it was just fine. It was fine. Yeah. I have no issues with that now. So, so it's like so there's some convenience to it. There's you mentioned the privacy and the the anxiety aspect. So there's a lot of like benefits. Yeah. To it. Do you find does it does it change how your audience respond? Like, do you get different people <laughs> watching, or do the same um, people watch like you in person versus you as an avatar? I think it depends on the person. So I okay. have an avatar that has a personality quite close to my own. So mm. all I do is I play it up a little bit more than usual. So I wouldn't, uh, I say things I wouldn't in public necessarily, but it's obviously a little bit of a character. So it's a little bit over the top. Okay. So there's some performance to it as well. A little bit. Yeah. It's kind okay. of like you f- feel confident that you can also get away with it because yes. you're a character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so, like the people in the mascots when you go to like theme parks and they're like, dude. You're, yeah, you're exactly. Like, so it has, it definitely has that quality, but I did it on purpose because I didn't want her to mismatch my voice or mismatch my mannerisms um so i make characters according to how i feel like they sound so even my friend ninu she is very chaotic and silly so i made her look similar that way so that it fits her voice and her mannerisms as well and um and i think in her case she plays much more of a role because she's so private Mm. but it's kind of still definitely a part of her where she just enjoys playing this role of this silly cat girl right so i do think a lot of people can't separate character from person but yeah i, I could imagine that yeah yeah but the thing is if you have a character though you you have a buffer to to sort of protect yourself from it a little mm. bit i think so i feel a lot safer i guess i've never okay. felt threatened in general in public because I, I don't really have an issue with people. I've had weird people approach me at conventions before, but I'm not someone who's generally afraid. But mm. I think someone who is yeah, m- it, might it not help. like yeah, it wouldn't help. Yeah. They they would prefer to just stay anonymous and just have a character like that. And yeah, yeah you definitely That's get enough, yeah. weirdos sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess because you've got yeah quite a profile. I mean, you you got a Wikipedia page. I, I remember. I um, do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember when when we did the the interview. Actually, I'm gonna have to I post this. The the so our first podcast interview that I did was with Mikiko. It's like episode twenty something, and we're on like 129. So, but when I was putting together the notes, I was like, oh, Wikipedia page. Wow, wow. This is, uh, <laughs> I don't think at that point, I don't think I'd we'd spoken to anyone who had their own Wikipedia uh-huh. page. So, um, I don't even know why I brought that up, but that was it. Oh no, that's why I brought it up because yeah. So like then you, you have a, a profile and I imagine you get weird people, weird interactions from time I to think- time. So this could be something that protects that. Yeah. protects not, you from that. It's not so much these days, I think. It was... Okay. The- it depends on how in the public spotlight you are, I think. So when I was uh, in Germany, I had a sort of TV show at the time where I was hosting the show. 
people would actually recognize me at conventions and stop me and talk yeah. to me. That's the time I got the most response and strangest interactions probably. But it was also my own face to be seen everywhere. So it's kind of, mm. that's what people, people just go, oh, it's her and then approach you. But I think if you have a VTuber avatar, obviously it's not the case. Like I had to explain at MCM many times that, oh, this is my character you know, because I had posters and postcards of, of sure. the character. I'm just like, yeah, I'm a VTuber. This is me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, people are like, oh, really? So it's it's just kind of like a bit of a safety net in between, like a safety barrier. Yeah, like you said, a buffer. Just to, yeah. yeah, just lay yeah. out there. Okay. I'll it's kind of that. pleasant, I find. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something that Tazzy, who's uh, my podcast, podcast co-host and also just like on the my matter team like um as creative director uh, actually her character is on the left so the bottom left uh, and then actually i should introduce the other character Mayazuki is top left and uh, Mayazuki is not a real person but in our universe he's like the creator so the my matter uh, universe is a television network and each of the manga stories that we make tell the story of a different show and within the universe, Amayazuki is like the, the the top executive, and everyone else <laughs> is just a a star in some kind of in some kind of show. So that's the background. But Tazzy was saying that because she's generally interested in uh, in VTubing, but then also like at some point for our characters, like turning our characters into that'd be cute, yeah. So yeah, I'd love to see that. <laughs> uh, I, I increasingly would love to see that <laughs> uh, as well. So. Yeah, at some point I'll, I'll get my head around that and see if we can uh, make that happen. So. No, it's really cool. Um, we're we're almost out of time, but one of the things I know is that that, uh, that alarm uh, is on now. <laughs> one of the things I'm interested in because you you talked about as you were talking through like your process and like making stories and like listening to Spotify to help you creatively. When it comes to like inspiration and just getting ideas from different places, are there any you know music's always a constant, but in terms of like stories, are there any kinds of stories like is there anything you're currently consuming whether it's like watching or reading or or playing that you feel worth shouting out yeah i generally um watch or play or read a bunch of things um but it's it's quite mixed i i think you you also mentioned that is like whether or not you consume your own genre of stuff like that i don't too. really i don't really read manga that much anymore ah that's interesting um, do you know what so mm. sorry to cut you. Uh, I was just gonna like add to that because I, I remember I, I do a lot of like convention talks and people would like assume that I'm like always reading manga and, and well versed and I have to tell them that actually I'm I'm quite new even though <laughs> I have a manga brand but I only really started like most of my reading of manga uh, came from like when I started making it and just mm. like getting more exposed to it but I actually get ideas from like just different mediums different genres so I, I, it sounds like you're similar yeah. yeah i so i used to read a lot when i was a teenager that was the only thing i'd consume was manga 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 i'd buy anything that looked kind of okay and just try to read it and the thing is at the time i couldn't even read japanese very well because right. yeah and manga didn't exist outside of japan yet either so i had to go to japan and then buy backpacks full of manga and then bring them home to wherever i was living at the time and then just read them all and then like try to emulate the styles and learn how you know i learned how to i've learned how to read through them too <laughs> so mm. my japanese reading skills is thanks to reading manga but um <laughs> yeah but like over the years though once i started 
writing and drawing them myself, it I slowly started to develop a very specific preference and I became very critical of many of the stories, especially seeing what is popular in the mainstream these days. Mm. I'm also too old for a lot of those things. Like, <laughs> Fair. It's very interesting because I get a lot of recommendations from younger people and they go like, oh, you should totally watch this anime. It's the best. Yeah, and then Dina Slayer I, was the one for me that kept coming up in workshops. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I look at it and I read the synopsis and I'm like, this is for teenagers. I'm 38. <laughs> I'm not interested in this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's probably nice. It's probably very cool to you guys. <laughs> But it's not for me. But not for you, yeah. Yeah, so my preference currently is seinen manga, which is adult. Like, um, so, oh, what, uh, Vinland Saga is seinen history, which is a very good one. I okay. definitely recommend, recommend that one. And it's totally different from what I do. So it's a historical Viking manga. And it has an anime too on Netflix, which I definitely recommend, guys. It's one of my favorites. And the reason it's my favorite is because on first glance, you think that a vengeance-seeking teenage boy is the main character. But if you actually start watching, reading it, you find out that he's absolutely not the main character at all. And in fact, like he's that. he's the only one who doesn't get it. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's very interesting because all the other characters around him are basically adults, middle-aged people, you know, weathered warriors that all have an idea of what's going on in life and he's the only one who doesn't get it. But it's it's a great, great story. Like... Do you know when there's a story where not a single scene wastes time or... There's no filler. There's no filler. Yeah. yeah. Everything serves a purpose. Every dialogue is there on purpose and it serves a purpose. And it's great. That's the kind of manga I like. Okay, and that's, I like that. Yeah. And that's the kind of anime, movie, TV, game, anything that I like. If it's well done like that, then mm. I like it. So I, I have been playing Hades a lot recently. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's very good. It's very good. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, it's hard to say. I don't have that much free time, so those are currently like those that stick out to yeah. me currently. I appreciate that. I mean, I would say Technokami in the chat uh, did say Arcane, which I was thinking of. Oh uh, yes, as well. Not gonna lie. Have you seen? Yes, absolutely so, stunning. Yeah. Uh, it's just like like I am aware of League of Legends, and that's it. That's that's all the interest. I I don't have Same. any interest in playing that game, but that show. <sighs> For my my money is a masterpiece. Like it's yes. an absolute. Like when you're saying about no filler, everything yeah. in that show serves the purpose of like furthering the plot in a consistent way, or like mm -hmm. developing character character relationship. It's just like mind blowing. I so yeah. I, I mentioned I, I do uh, workshops, so I'm often uh, like talking with like young people who you know might be like illustrators or wanting to get into creative fields, and I say to them like like uh, watch this show because. I watched it. I'm like, I, I learned something from it. Like, I want to make changes in the stories that I'm writing. We spoke to, so on the podcast, we know um, uh, Wesley Lewis, who is one of the directors from an animation studio called The Line. And they've worked with Riot Games doing some music videos for that. And he was mm. on a podcast for our Arcane episode. Yeah. <laughs> and he, even he was like, oh man, those guys. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that's definitely one yeah. um, for that. But, yeah, no, I, I get that. Uh, it's like it an is. amazing skill to... So when you said you also don't... You're aware of League of Legends and that's about yeah. it. It's, it's the same for me, but it shows just how good it is that they made a story where you don't need to know who they are. And that's and how then, it should work. 
Exactly. Yeah. And you shouldn't assume, like when you make a story, you shouldn't assume that the viewer knows and yeah. does homework beforehand. Like that's exactly. just yeah, silly. Yeah, because yeah. 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 I'm not playing League of Legends. That's not happening. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> no. Same. <laughs> not happening. Um, so, yeah. No, but it's interesting to hear like, you know, your where you get some of your ideas from and, and just yeah, looking at things outside of your, your genre, your medium and just getting ideas. And because and, that's creativity, isn't it? Pulling ideas yeah. from different well, I think faces. it's it's important to do like that because you have to look at things that you can't do. If you just consume what you're already good at, then you're never going to get better, right? There you go. I like that. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna clip that and yeah, use that. <laughs> I'm gonna show this show that to some kids uh, later. So. Uh, um, <laughs> We are ever so close to the end. Uh, I like to end with like a kind of like a bonus round thing where we talk more about story. What I've noticed as I'm making stories and, and developing characters is that story kind of reflects life in a lot of ways because we're all the leading characters in our own story. You're the leading character in your story. And it's different like aspects to it. So with that said, my first question of this last set of questions is like, as the protagonist of your own story, what would you say are your like standout attributes, characteristics or personality traits? Oh my goodness. I've never been asked anything like this. I like to throw in some, some introspective questions. <laughs> <laughs> what are my main traits? I think persistence how many? How many am I supposed to say? Yeah, just a few. One, if that, yeah, if it's just a few, if it's just the one, um, whatever comes to mind. I think sense of justice. I, I oh, get. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I would like to. I would like to think that I'm quite strong in character when it comes to protecting people around me that have mm. been wronged or are experiencing injustice. I get very like upset and angry and, <laughs> <laughs> and like fight me, sort of. You know. Okay. And I think I would like to think I'm understanding and open-minded. Okay, I like this character. Yeah. All right. And in <laughs> uh, in in the story uh, of our lives, there's you know any good story has that forces of antagonism. So whether it's you know a specific antagonist or or something that you're fighting to overcome. So what would you say is like your your main challenge, and how do you work to overcome it? I think. Uh, one of my antagonists is myself, my oh, yeah. Ooh, mental yeah. health yeah. and <laughs> yeah, my self-criticism. Definitely. Yeah. Like a, like a, what, what is it? Um, <laughs> dark, dark Mickey or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, they always have like dark link or yeah, yeah. dark, yeah. I don't know, Wario to Mario. That, <laughs> yeah. Definitely like an evil version of that. me. Yeah. Okay. That. And, um, and I think, I think maybe it's kind of hard to say, but like a more abstract being that is the unjustness of certain forces in the universe, s okay. such as, I don't know, you know, how people are forced to grind daily to uh, barely make race. a living. Like, the yeah, I don't know if, if I can sum it up as a system because the system also keeps us safe. It's yeah. hard to grasp. I mean, that's the thing about a system, so, isn't it? It keeps you safe, but there's, it comes with a cost. Yeah, so I would say some sort of vague in entity that oppresses those that yeah. need help the most, maybe. Right, like something like, like that. Very intriguing story. <laughs> All right, so last two questions. And then on this journey, uh, who, who are your 
biggest supporting characters on in this story? I think my partner, for sure, who's been with me around, has been around me for ages and has supported me with especially my artistic journey from the start. Mm. And, um, and then secondly, the people that rally around me, because I've had incredible, crazy, I mean, insanely dedicated people mm, who have been like with it. me for decades. Like <laughs> some of the people in my, in my server have been around for decades and I can't, I can't believe it. Just how, I don't know, they're just always there and I can always rely on them being there. And it's, it's kind of amazing. And, uh. I mean, people come and go, but even if they're just there for a moment, like this group of people around me really lifts me up, I think. I like it. All right. And then uh, the final question in, in this story is, so, you, you know, every story, you have characters fighting towards a goal. So where does that journey lead to? What does success look like for you? Hmm. I think success would be just reaching the small goals that I set myself. So even if it's just finishing that piece of art, starting that new project completing mm. that new project you know little bits and bobs like that i'm not really i don't sit here and go oh one day i'll have a movie made of my stuff i feel like that is too much i don't even need that if i have one book that sells enough that i don't have to worry ever again or three books that sell consistently that i never have to work again mm. <laughs> that'd be nice but it's unrealistic to think that I'm going to be super famous and rich because that's not my goal. I just want to be content. So I think content and having like an, an inner satisfaction of I've done what I wanted to do and that's enough like this and that's okay thing. I like that. Oh, that yeah, feeling of contentment is it's it's underrated. Yeah. So we can we can lose sight of that. And yeah, that's something I've like struggled with and, and you know like setting out those goals and how do you measure yourself and all that and against mm. them but I like that I like this story that uh that you've you've created so um that's it we have reached the end of yeah. our chat um <laughs> we'll, we'll end on that on that note but Mikiko thank you for for joining me yeah it's good to have you like I said I just keep dragging you, you back for conversations but thank you for always making happy time. yeah of course of course <laughs> And uh, thank you to everyone in uh, the chat uh, as well. Just very appreciative of people joining us, uh, although I'm a little worried about Lodenium, who seems to have some dictatorship goals. <laughs> not going not gonna to touch that. We'll just uh, <laughs> we'll let someone else uh, deal with that. But yeah, no, thank you for, for joining us. This has been uh, another episode of Casual Conversations with Comic Creators, where I talk to a different comic creator each month. So feel free to uh, follow us on Twitch and check out who I'll be talking to next month. I actually don't know. We haven't uh, confirmed that yet, but uh, we're talking <laughs> to someone and doing this all throughout the year. Uh, and if you have not tired of my voice yet, you can also listen to our podcast, Story X Story, where we talk about stories across, across mediums. So we talk about film, TV, animation, comics, uh, video games, and we do deep dives into stories and we do creator interviews with different people across industries. So Feel free to follow us, check out myamada.com. I think that's all the self-promotion I'm going to do for now. <laughs> uh, check out the links and uh, hopefully we'll speak to people soon. Thanks again for joining us and we Thank will you. see you all again pretty soon. So take care, everyone. Mm -hmm.